Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Tomorrow Will Be Great. I'm Julia. And I'm Elise. And today we are going to be talking about carrying different brands and being carried in stores and how to approach stores about carrying your brand and all that good stuff. So Julia's going to start us off because if you guys either didn't listen to earlier episodes or didn't know this, Julia used to do a line of leather goods as well as handmade clothing, and she used to be carried in other stores as well as her own store. So Julia's going to talk a bit about that whole process. So the first thing I think to know is when you're starting off, you probably don't know anybody. And when you don't know anybody, it's really hard to get your stuff in stores or to get people to look at what you're doing or to answer your emails or anything like that. So when I was first starting, I had just trans or when I was just starting to wholesale and I was transitioning from sewing everything myself to having a workshop factory outside of Boston make it, I my first step what I did was I wanted to pick out a selection of designs and I put those on a line sheet. And all those products went into development to figure out how much they would cost. And that whole part of the process is very long and drawn out and it's really frustrating because your factory might want to make multiple versions of the same thing to make sure they get all the right details in there that you want. It's actually, it's a really important part of the process. It's all about trying to find the most effective and classy way to do something, but also at the most affordable cost. So once you've done that, you usually want to put together line sheets and a lookbook. And it used to be that line sheets would actually be line drawings in black and white that you'd either draw with your pen or you do it on Illustrator or something like that. And that would list the price, what colors it came in, the materials, the options. And that would be a PDF you'd send to people. But simultaneously, you would also hopefully shoot a lookbook, which would give more of an overall vibe of your collection. And as time went on, I found the line sheets were more applicable for me to do because it was an accessories line. I didn't feel like shooting a new lookbook all the time was as effective, especially as I learned to do more photos, I could just shoot it myself. So I wasn't gonna just hire out for a big lookbook or anything like that. And I honestly never did any of these things professionally. I taught myself to use Illustrator. I really enjoy making cute little line drawings. Actually, they're really fun. Um, I still like doing it. I don't do it as much as I used to obviously, because I'm not wholesaling, but those are kind of like the two things you want to have to be able to send to somebody. And once you have those, you kind of want to start making a target list of stores where you'd like to send things to. So this is the important thing. I didn't know what it was like as a store at this point in time to receive lots of emails saying, I'm awesome, carry my stuff. I had no idea. So I just did what I thought what I would do is like, okay, I'm picking these 10 stores. I'm going to email them and I'm going to write a really personal email. I'm going to find out their name. I'm going to find out about their store if I don't already know about it. Most of them I already did know about. And then I would make a very personal email. I was never really copying and pasting the same email to each person. And so that's what I did. And I'd say maybe 20 to 30% of those emails I sent got responded to. So maybe I heard back from like four people. And then I had to convince those four people to come see me at a trade show I was doing. Or maybe they were okay just ordering off of line sheets. It it really depends on the person. So I kind of did it like that. And many people didn't order. Many people said they were going to order. They didn't order. And I always took that so personally. If someone said, I'm going to order, I'm definitely going to order. And then they just ghost you. Yeah. New term. New term. Ghost you. But old problem. (laughs) 
And I was just seeing all of this from one side of the fence. I didn't really know what it was like to be a buyer at all. And what I've since learned as a buyer is that you're going around these trade shows, you're seeing so many people and so many awesome things, and it can be really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And let's say you see 10 awesome things, but you can really only pick four of them, even though you love all of them. You kind of have to whittle it down because you can't order from everybody. So that's one thing. The other thing we try to do, though, is I try not to lead anyone on. Mm -hmm. If I'm like, I really like what you're doing, but I can't add you this season. Yeah. So that's kind of just like the two ways I approach it now. Because we probably get 10 to 15 emails a day from either showrooms or small brands or whomever about wanting to be carried in the shop. And some of them are clearly well-researched, like how Julia was saying, how she used to research people and figure out what would be a good fit and who they are. Instead of just sending a very generic email, which we tend to mostly get, I would say, incredibly generic emails, like, dear buyer, please look at these line sheets or order forms or lookbook for and this brand. bathing suits. Yeah. That so are for very resorty places. Yeah. So like 10 to 15 emails come in a day, and I'd say maybe only one of them is vaguely relevant, and even that's not, not really relevant. Um, yeah, I mean, recently we've been getting a lot of menswear I, op- I tend to open them more than Julia, who I just don't, deletes and them. And I also have, since my account, email account has been open longer, it's more used to the things I'm like, this is spam, oh, so yeah. I think some things just go in my spam mm-hmm. folder automatically, but it doesn't for Elise's email. You no. Know? So, yeah, we've been getting like, lots of menswear stuff, and I mean, it's all fine and well. I mean, thanks Maybe for Maybe we'd carry it eventually, yeah. who knows? But like, right now, it's not really the case, and they also don't tend to acknowledge, they don't tend to be like, oh, so we know you don't carry menswear, but if you're ever interested in carrying them please keep an eye out on our brand who we think it would be a really great fit for a menswear equivalent of your women's wear clothing. And so I guess my main thing is like, know your audience, know who you're sending it to. Don't just like siphon off emails off of a hundred websites. Yeah. And I mean, knowing the name is good, but also if you send a whole bunch of emails and they're not getting back to you, I mean, we just get so many emails that we can't really respond to every single one. Also, you don't know who's um, not necessarily a bot, but a bot-like thing where they just keep hitting send, send, send. send. So if you don't hear back, I mean, I don't say give up, but maybe give up. (laughs) I mean, I don't really think that you should ever give up on things, but if they're not really responding to you... You need to find another way to try if you're like 100% convinced this is for me. Yeah. And something that I've heard that we don't really get often is if you can send samples of whatever it is, um, I mean, but don't obviously put it on the store or whomever to send it back to you, like, gift Include them. like, a shipping label yeah. to send it back. Yeah, if they want, if you want it back, do that. Because maybe you're like, well, maybe from these pictures and my line sheets, my product doesn't look incredibly compelling, but once you see it and you feel it and you try it on, it'll, that'll be it. You'll be done. You'll know that that's what you need um i mean because we've had brands of ours that we carry send us pieces from their line so that we can see it in person like the quality more you yeah check. and the fit and stuff and so they'll send that because if we can't see it in person they're like we really want you to see the pieces in person and so then they ship us a box of pieces and then we look at them and we're like oh this i wouldn't have thought of ordering this or this color and then we do end up ordering the fit or that color and so I guess seeing it in person and making a way for your shop to get, or I guess not your shop, but your clothing or 
whatever to be seen by the shop. Or if you're at a specific show and you're like, hey, Ren's in Philly and they might go to the show in New York, send them an email or something and be like, hey, I'm going to be at the show in New York. I'm really a big follower of yours or whatever. Um, I mean, don't necessarily send us this because we're not really looking for new people at the moment. Yeah, I guess that's a little um, subtext to all this is yeah. we're really kind of maxed out with yeah. probably the brands we can. It's more that we can't manage a certain amount of bookkeeping after yeah. a certain while and just keeping track. On top of everything. On top of everything. We just don't have the capacity to probably. Anyway, so if you're like going to yeah. listen to this and be like, I'm going to reach out to them yeah. now. I mean, we're happy to look at your email, but. Yeah, I just know that we're not we're really just in the market. We're just trying give advice yeah. for those out there. So I feel like that that's a good strategy, I would say, is be like, I guess predict. Be like, I think in the past I've seen them go to the show or whatever, and then say, I'm going to the show, don't forget to check me out, I'm by the soda machine or whatever. And I think that's probably a good way of getting... Because if you're just like, oh, I'm going to the show, okay, uh, some of the shows have, what, like thousands of vendors, so yeah. the odds of you finding them are small. Some shows are smaller, yeah. and it's easier to find people. But some are huge and yeah. it's hard, you know. Because definitely like, seeing things like New York person. now is really huge. scary to me. Yeah. It's so big. So, yeah, fun. definitely tell yeah. someone where you are if you're going there. Yeah, and if you're like, I really think you should really, really, really see my clothes or jewelry or ceramics, um, I think make the effort to get them to see the piece. I mean, obviously sending a sample with a return label is a little bit risky because if, I don't know, maybe it's a bigger store, who knows who's going to get it. So, I guess... I don't know. I feel like sending a sample is not a bad... No, it's not a bad If you can obviously afford it. For some people, say you're a goldsmith, that's an incredibly expensive Yeah, don't send us free gold clothes. Free gold (laughs) rings. I mean, if you want to. But um, yeah, so I'd say that's very helpful because I think... I don't know. We found people in the past by that kind of similar situation that being like, oh, I'm going to be here. And then we happen to run into them. Be like, oh, there you you are. There you are in the person. And look at this dress that I didn't think twice about yeah. but it's so beautiful in person i don't know why that made me just think of like being at a show and sometimes you'll see one booth or just like okay here's some like different feelings you might have that i had <laughs> at booths both as a vendor and a buyer one thing i've noticed as a buyer is some booths are just packed yeah and i can't figure out why like i don't see anything that's amazing yeah. about whatever packed it is they're selling, but they're packed with people and the funny thing is, if one person goes in a booth, mm-hmm. I find a lot of other people flock to the booth, and all of a sudden, there's so many people in there, and no one can look at anything or order anything, and it's like, people like seeing other people be interested yeah. in something. Well, it's, that happens, that happens at the store, store too. Yeah. Like, we'll have no one in here for hours, and then one person will come in, and then another person, and they'll all be there in the same 15 yeah. minutes, and then it's dead the rest of the day. Because it seems, I guess, acceptable. Yeah. It's like, this is something to look at. Yeah. This is something worthwhile. Yeah. So that's, like, definitely yeah. a show phenomenon. And so I would see that on both sides of the fence happening. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, no one's coming in my booth. And you get really sad. Yeah. You need yeah. someone to fake it. You need to call yeah. a friend and, and be like, just come in just my booth. Just come and look at it. people will come in. Yeah. Let's see what else have I known. I remember also getting a lot of feedback when I had my leather goods there. Oh. One thing, not about the pouches, but people kept holding up my bags and telling me that the leather bags were heavy. Yeah. And now that I've worked with leather a lot, I know what they mean. I know when I, I, I know when I feel other bags, they're not as heavy, but I also know that real leather bags should be heavy. Yeah. Cause it's last. leather yeah. and a lot of other bags 
have plastic filler. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a thickening, stiffening material, mm -hmm. and it's lightweight, and they put it in between the fabric and the leather lining, and then your bag's a lot lighter. Or yeah. you're just using a veg tan leather that's very stiff, stiff. and it oh. doesn't matter because yeah. it'll hold its shape. But So you might get feedback that you'll try to explain to a store why yeah. it's like that. And sometimes the store might be receptacle to listening to you, but then sometimes they don't, they don't really care what you say. Yeah. I mean, cause it is a fair criticism. It I is. Guess. If you're gonna have a giant tote bag, maybe you don't want, if you are particularly sensitive to carrying weighty pieces, you might not want yeah. to be carrying a weighty piece. Cause at the end of the day, now we understand more cause we're hearing those complaints from our yeah. customers like, Oh, this is to this. And now we have like a list of things where like, we can't get this, that, or that. Yeah. One of the things right now is we know people prefer having a collar on their shirt or dress than it not having a collar. Mm -hmm. It seems so simple, but now we're like, Nope, we can't get that. Yeah. And we would maybe tell a vendor that. Yeah. Like if it has a high neckline, they want a collar. I mean, obviously you don't need a collar on everything, but it's just, it's things like that, that we obviously didn't think about because we order things without collars that then people, or they have a little stand collar and people are like, oh, I really love this, but it, I would like it better if it had a, a collar. collar. And so now we're kind of leaning away from things like that. And again, if a designer that we carry is like, oh, what do you think of this? Or oh, I'm having a really hard time with this. We'd be like, oh yeah, we've been hearing a lot of feedback that people don't really care for stand collars. They prefer a fold-over collar. I don't know what that's called. Fold-over With collar. a lapel? Yeah. I don't know, something like that. In the same way the that blazers. people were like, they don't want, my customers don't want a heavy bag. Yeah. And it's maybe, I guess, maybe they're like, oh, I love this tote bag. I think someone would want it for work. And so then maybe once they think about putting a laptop in, putting a lunch, putting some water, some apples or whatever, they're like, that'll get, <laughs> they're like, that will get very weighty. Yeah, and no, and they're right. And I think for me as a designer, it was hard to sit there and hear that kind of criticism because I knew how long and drawn out and <laughs> awful the sampling process had been. And I was like, but it took me so long to find yeah. this leather. How can I spend another month looking for another leather? And there were a lot less resources online, mm -hmm. I would say 10 years ago. I was having a lot harder time to find things. If I had to find all these things now, it would be a little bit easier, mm -hmm. I think. My friend actually recently just sourced us some yeah. awesome leather. We're really excited to work with this tannery she found yeah. us. Thank you. But again, it's like they're not online. Really. They're not online. So she only yeah. found them from going to trade show. Was it trade, trade show? Leather yeah. trade show. Thank you, Grace. Yeah, thanks, if Grace. If you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got some really awesome potential leathers. Yeah. And I think if I had had those leathers back then, yeah. I think people would have been like, this bag is not as heavy. Yeah. And I might, it but worked well for didn't me. Have, yeah. But I didn't have access to that. Also, because like maybe you couldn't take time to go to New York. No. I think was, the show was in New York. Like go to New yeah. York, stay over because you were in Boston. And I yeah. Yeah. couldn't just like drive up and drive back as easily. Mm. And so it's just things like that, that, I mean, also ask your friends. I feel like that's, I mean, cause if you hadn't asked Grace, like about, like, look out. Oh, like resources. let me know if you look yeah. something. Resources and I guess opinions. Yeah. Always get people's opinions. Even if you ignore them. Yeah. I find that people in Philly are really open to sharing information, mm -hmm. like sources and things like that. In Boston, people were not very oh, open to sharing information and um, in the creative community about like, where'd you get this fabric? Or, I mean, it would depend, but I felt very closed off as much. So again, yeah. I just felt like my resources were not as bountiful as they are now. <laughs> and so I guess it's things like that. And also forming relationships where you can be honest. Like this is working for me. Yeah. This isn't working for me. And like taking, and not just blowing off 
criticism, even if it's, I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt. This one says, oh, why is every single dress in your collection a drop waste? My mm. customers don't like drop waste. Mm-hmm. Well, don't say, well, it's inspired by the 1920s and they only had drop waste or whatever. That, don't necessarily fight them on it. Kind of just be like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. And then you can ignore it. If and you it's want. hard too because everyone at a show is going to come up to you yeah. with a different opinion, a different need of what they're looking for. So it's hard to. First of all, you definitely want to stay true to your vision and yeah. whatever you're seeing. But I really think it takes years to figure out what your own vision yeah. is. Like I feel like I only solidified it really yeah. like maybe a year before I opened the store, a couple of years mm-hmm. before. I felt like I was just all over the place before then because I liked so many things. Yeah, but it's kind of like narrowing, yeah, narrowing the field. Because you know, again, I feel like we say this: you can't always be a department store. You can't have no everything. And you might want to be a brand that you can appeal to lots of different stores mm-hmm. and customers, and that's great if you want to do that. It just, just be careful. Just yeah. be careful because it's like. Don't lose your voice. Don't lose your voice. But also, if you do want to do that, then you do should listen Be to what people, more people want. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you're open to private label stuff, which is when, like a store, like say we were like, we really like those shoes, but we want our name, our on, name on the shoes and we yeah. want our colors that we chose, that's private label. So it's like when a, a designer or brand, I guess, kind of takes away their branding and puts your branding or on Or might it. have both. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I've like seen like red buy, shoes. Yeah. Have a, a joint. A joint thing of a bomb. Yeah. Which is very interesting. I guess that's, I feel like, have we talked about collaborations? Mm, not this mm-hmm. kind of collaboration. Yeah. Because that's an interesting one that we will probably talk about in the future. But that's another way of, I guess, getting your foot in the door with a store. Is like foot just be willing to, like, they'll be like, oh, I really love this dress, but I really wish you had it in this fabric. Mm-hmm. And could try you do it make for it me? <laughs> make it work. Yeah. <laughs> I would say try try your best, especially because if it still fits in your brand vision, I would say if a store is really pumped about this idea, then, I mean, the, as long as you don't have weird terms with them, then the risk is all on them. They're going to pay you for yeah. it. It's so. a lot easier to do if you're a smaller Yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because then you might be more flexible. If you're making it yourself, obviously you can do whatever the yeah. heck you want. If your factory is flexible, you have mm-hmm. some flexibility, but maybe you have a factory that's like, no, they need to have 30 minimum, or 50 yeah. pieces minimum, and then that's harder yeah, to work with. Can't really win that one. That's the other thing, too, is something that took me a long time to figure out is I kept thinking, I need to have a sample for the trade show of every color, of every style, so people can see everything. But that's the, nice of you. It's super <laughs> nice of me, but that was so expensive. And yeah. that, but that's what I thought the norm was. No. And so now I know, oh, people really just get one one, bags, one yeah. style. They don't sample it in every color. They might have swatches, yeah. but... Though it is, I will say, incredibly helpful to have as many sampled options as possible. Um, yeah. Or, like, it if is. you're doing patterns, be like, here's, like, a sample of this dress in this, like, full stripe pattern. Because yeah. seeing a swatch of it is sometimes hard as a store to envision what an entire dress of it will look like. So, I guess, or having bare pieces of fabric, something. Something. Big pieces of fabric are yeah. helpful. Then, like, a little four by four square. Yeah. Because how are, it's hard to take in your mind how a four inch by four inch swatch of stripes will turn into a like maxi dress. Yeah. But also if there's too many decisions, sometimes oh, that can yeah. also be overwhelming. So if you're going to go in and be like, here is the stack of the 60 fabrics that we can yeah, work no. with. It's really overwhelming. At first I thought it was fun and it is fun, but it can get really overwhelming. So it's really best maybe like stick with five things. Yes. Yeah. 
Unless you're like anything in this collection can be made in any, any. of these fabrics. Because yeah. we have a couple designers who have lots of different fabric options, but it's super, super specific what they'll make and what. Yeah. So and then sometimes I'm like, but I want this yeah. thing and that thing. And they're like, no. They're like, no, we can't do it. And so that becomes really confusing and hard in the buying department because then, I don't know, you're it's like a weird puzzle where you can't it, win. It is a puzzle because you're like, but... But this looks really similar. crap. This looks yeah. like I think this would be better in this. And then you're then you get to this place where you're like, but do I want to order anything at all then if I can't yeah. get what I think would be the best for my store? Yeah. These are just some thoughts that go through stores' heads. I guess they go through our heads. I don't I know. Assume if they go other through, people. I'm assuming they go through yeah. other people's heads too. Um the other thing is you might find that if you're at this show, someone might want to write an order with you there. Oh my gosh. And some people don't. And I think both ways are normal. We never write anything at That's so there. much pressure. <laughs> but some people will make you pick a silhouette because they have no way of you knowing. Don't do... You know what? I'm not even going to talk about it because yeah. I don't want anyone was, to take the advice of doing that. Always give people line sheets. Yes. Or references. Because or email it's it so them. annoying to not have yeah. something later. If they're just like, no, you have to decide now. Yeah. Because then if it's they were really like... annoying. We're like, oh, wait, I think our order could really use another shirt. But then all the pictures we had yeah. are of the pictures that we took. And they were like, well, shoot, like there's no other shirts in our pictures. But we know they had other shirts. It gets really hard to be like... Well, I think that it might be this thing that's called ZYX025. <laughs> like, that might be the shirt I was talking about, but, like, it's probably not. And then who knows what you just ordered. So, line sheets, I mean, I know I was talking about them being line drawings earlier, but today, thanks to the computer, yeah, they, can really, they can really just be a picture of whatever it is. Like, like it, a flat, like, it, it could be on the a floor. flat, like, yeah. put it on a hanger, put it on the floor, just, like, any visual reference is so helpful yeah. with a code number. It's just imperative. Give as much information as possible. Because you might make more sales because of that. Because yeah. if people just get home and they're like, oh, I only took three pictures in this booth. I, I like things, yeah. but I have nothing to reference now. So Yeah. And like, if you don't have them, email them. Yeah, email. No, you don't have to give a paper yeah. copy. I mean, I feel like emailing is probably better. Better for the environment. Yeah. But that's and just... And I don't have to worry about losing it as yeah. long as I don't delete it. But Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that is something that's really simple... I mean, I think it's simple. I mean, assuming that you're sampling, because if you're making things, I assume that you're, you know, going to have mock-ups. Even if it's not necessarily your final product, show them something. Yeah. You're not that Be big. proud of Our your brains work. aren't that big. We can't store all that data. <laughs> even though I wish we could. We might try. Yeah. The other good reason to have some kind of document you give to a buyer is because if a dispute happens mm. later where they're yeah. like... Because this has happened to us. Yeah. Where we're like... That's not what I ordered. That's not what I ordered. I ordered this, and this was a much deeper pink. And I got, like, a barely, like, yeah. light pink. It's way too light. I wanted this deep pink. Yeah. And then you can take out both your picture that you took and also compare it to the line sheets. And yeah. if they're like, oh... Because that happens a lot in manufacturing. Yeah. Things are not... And people... Vendors will try to push it through to the stores mm -hmm. without checking with them first. Yeah. Which isn't great. So you should always check with your store if you've had a major, a major oopsie yeah. in production. Yeah. It's not cool to just ship stuff that isn't what people ordered. Yeah, because then odds are you're going to get, I don't know, at least we, I don't know if we're mean or whatever, but we're always like, okay, you're going to pay return shipping because why yeah. would we pay And you're going to take it back. Sometimes we have to yeah. argue for people to even take it back. Because we're like, that's not what we ordered. So it's kind of also beneficial 
I mean, it's definitely beneficial for both parties to have documentation of what was seen at the show. I mean, that's true in any business. Just document everything. Yeah. If money is involved. Yes. Yeah. Because then, you know, then you, if you, especially if you don't sell your own goods, if you're purely a wholesaler, you're going to be stuck with this, like however many units of whatever that you're like, oh, it's not that big a deal. But maybe people do think it is a big deal. And I was, it's funny, now that I know more, (laughs) I was extremely picky. I QC checked all of my stuff that I got from the factory before I shipped it out. What's QC? Quality control. (laughs) (laughs) I QC checked everything of my own stuff before I ever sent it out. If there was something wrong, I was like, you are going to fix this to the factory before it even... Because it's your name. Because it's your name yeah. and you don't want to send out bad stuff. And in the beginning, I had a lot of samples to sell, which is another reason I think why my brand didn't take off is because I had so many samples that I was selling for cheaper rather yeah. than just trying to sell the product that was perfect for yeah. the full price. Or like secretly sell the samples. I tried to secretly sell them. I still think that brand diminished value. Yeah. I mean, that was like my big problem a long time. So, yeah. Yeah, and also, I don't know, I think we've talked about this before, maybe we just talked amongst ourselves, but sampling is also, well, as you were saying earlier, really expensive, regardless of what industry you're in, especially if you're working with a factory, and depending on what you're working with, like leather, obviously you can't reuse the leather once it's been cut and sewed into a bag, I think. Mm-mm. No, Yeah, you like you take it apart, but it'd still be full of holes. Um, so that's the other thing, is that it does make sense that you want to sell samples to help recuperate. But maybe that's just like, you know, sample sale. Yeah, stuff. sample sales. But I'll sample... Yeah, sampling sample is sales, just so yeah. expensive. This is another reason why I'm just like... Leather. <laughs> accessories, particularly leather accessories, I think one of probably a harder of the consumable wearable items yeah. to get into. I think clothing would have been a heck of a lot easier. And I did do clothing, yeah. but I was sewing it all myself. I had one person help me for a little bit. But... I mean, yeah. I also... I mean, I don't know so much, but I think... From what my brief, I don't know, dally onto the internet is that it seems like there's also more people who are skilled in sewing clothing and like factories Mm -hmm. that do that than leather in the U.S. Yeah. And also I mean because like places like LA and New York obviously have still garment factories, but you don't, I don't know how many leather goods. And I think a lot of the leather bags that were being made domestically at the time I was doing it, they weren't doing it in the same way I was. A lot of people were doing unlined bags that mm. didn't have finished edges. And consumers, not not all of them, know the difference between that and what I was trying to do, which yeah. I really wanted to fold all the edges in. I wanted everything lined. I didn't want the leather to shed. Everything was going to be split. Some be- leather is fine unlined. It usually tends to be much thicker, stiffer mm. leather that doesn't shed. And those are great leathers to work with. But a lot of people were still using upholstery leathers and something similar to us, but they weren't lining it. And mm-hmm. it, it was off. hard for me to see those things being sold for retailing around four to $500, but my stuff was ending up more $800, $900. And customers online didn't really understand Mm-mm. the difference between the two. That was yeah. another problem I ran up against. So you might see someone doing whatever it is you're doing and wonder like, oh, I wish people would see the difference between this that people are really into versus my own work yeah. that has more detail focused on it and is more expensive. But sometimes stores and customers, yeah. they don't care. Some, a lot do, but some mm-hmm. don't. So you just have to find the right people who appreciate that. I feel like more people are starting to appreciate 
I mean, there's, like, obviously the whole handmade mm-hmm. movement and, like, the me-made. I don't know if you know about the me-made. The me-made movement. Or like just more people sewing stuff. from yeah. yeah. And so I think people then have an appreciation for all of these little little things. Um, so, I mean, not, not that it's like you started your business that long ago, but I think even yeah. since then it's changed. Yeah. And I'm glad to see people are making more complicated patterns now and sewing for more complicated... I think I complained about this in another episode, but I'm so sick of dolman sleeves yeah. and people charging a lot of money for them because I'm just like, it's so easy. easy but yeah. yeah, those are just kind of some things to how to approach a store. I guess like just the above all, just do the research do first research. to make sure it is a good fit for you. No one's going to get back to you if you're sending a store that's in Maine, lots of bathing suits. Yeah. Or... Just just do market research. Yeah, it's not it's not that hard. I mean, a quick Google search. Yeah, will do it. Also, you can kind of tell sometimes when you like if you're going to reach out to a store that don't reach out to all the other exact same stores. Mm. Like, yeah, because I think you're. It's unlikely if you're reaching out to everyone that everyone will want to carry you. Because I think if you're reaching out to specialty stores yeah. and you're there's let's say there's ten and you reach out to ten. I think not all 10 of them will want to carry you. They're going to want just like three of them to carry you because they want to be able to sell your stuff. Yeah. Because you don't want to cannibalize your own, my favorite, your favorite word, (laughs) cannibalize your own stuff. And also the other stores aren't going to want to necessarily, because all stores, I mean, at least we don't want to be the same as like anyone else. So we want interesting and different stuff. And so when you start sticking your stuff in every single store, it makes it really hard for stores to differentiate themselves um, from one another which I think is a pretty, um, it's kind of hard. It's getting hard. I feel like there's a lot of boutiques and stuff that look very, very similar. I think things, it's more like online. I keep yeah. thinking about more online boutiques look mm-hmm. similar. Yeah. I, and I think it's so easy to open up an online store. It used to be when I was telling people in the beginning, oh, I'm opening up an online store. They were like, oh, I don't know if we can let you carry our stuff. We only sell the brick and mortars. But now I think it's much more common for it to be like online retailer and that's all you are. Yeah. But definitely like reach out to a variety of online and brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Try and just try and get them to see your stuff. Yeah. Don't don't stalk them though. Don't like, <laughs> no, don't stalk like don't, don't be a creepy. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if if, if you email them like five times, they're not getting back to you. Like don't DM them ten times. Like there's a reason why they're not getting back to you, yeah. and that might be. And it's like hard to actually. I, I go back and forth about this. If there are is someone who I'm like, oh my god, you will stop emailing us. Like, do I tell them stop emailing? Stop us. emailing us because like, I feel like that's kind of rude. Yeah. But do they want to know why? Should I tell them why? Because there's usually a reason why. Like, oh, I think this is a lot like something else we already yeah. have, or you're already carried in a few stores yeah. in the city. I think that you should focus on them. But yeah. I don't know if people want to hear that or not. Unclear. Unclear. So I just don't respond a lot yeah. of the time. I mean, I guess because that feels nicer because then they're maybe like, oh, that went to your spam box. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah, I didn't just delete it. Um, but I mean, I guess if you want an answer and you've written a store 10 times or something, you can be like, hey, I understand that you don't want to carry me, but you want to give me some feedback. feedback. And I guess you have to be brave hearted and have a thick, thick skin, skin <laughs> to get your feedback. Yeah. Because they might, they might just be like, your stuff looks like crap. And it's too expensive. And yeah, there was one person that I really, I saw at the shows this past fall 
and I liked a couple dresses he did. We didn't order from this person, but I loved the detailing on a few pieces. And he said to me, oh, like, you know, anthropology ordered a thousand units of this one dress. And he, he seemed so excited about this and to think that I would be really taken up like away with his line and so impressed but actually it kind of unfortunately did the opposite to me to hear that that many units were bought by a big very big store also because i feel like when there's a huge order like that you're going to be the last priority yeah as the smaller brand with a lower um order quantities yeah because they're gonna especially because bigger stores have much stricter deadlines and much more regimented systems than I I guess every small boutique I've ever interacted with who yeah. are a little bit more chill. Um, oh, that's another good point. Elise reminded me of this. Is So when you get your orders, you're working with your stores, I really recommend shipping everyone's order within the same week period mm-hmm. because people start to get really grumpy mm-hmm. if they see other people get the stuff yeah. but you haven't been you haven't gotten the stuff or you haven't even been emailed and like yeah. a month has gone by and you're like where's my stuff at least I give see the opportunity on, like yeah. be like i'm ready to ship when you pay me or whatever your terms yeah. are i'll send it and so then it's on them so if they don't pay you and your terms yeah. are that you'll ship it once you receive payment that's fully on the store. Yeah. It's out of your hands. Yeah, the one thing that gets tricky is if, let's say, a store has 75% of the units they've ordered from the factory show up, and unfortunately only a small portion of that 75% is part of your order, and the Mm -hmm. remaining 25% will ship at a later time. So they're like, oh, you can have this one unit now and your other 10 units in a month. And then you're kind of like, oh. So I I think it's actually important. I think the designers should hold all their inventory. I know that's kind of expensive, but I think every... (laughs) Elise is making a face. Bold bold (laughs) statement. Well, unless you're like, you have these huge... I'm talking about like smaller people. Yeah, not not the majors. Yeah. Who are obviously... Cranky. Major stores. Yeah, who have very strict deadlines and lots of different rules. Yeah, or just say... Or give them the... You know what? Give them the the option option to cancel. I think... I think, or, or at option. least just tell them, be like, I can ship this one unit to you now, um, but the rest of our stuff is running towards the end of our ship window. Because also, if you don't know, most you get a ship window for when your stuff mm-hmm. is going to arrive. So it's like, our stuff is going to start showing up January 15th to February 15th, and that's within our ship window. Mm-hmm. And so if it's going to be within there, the store doesn't really have the right to cancel it. But if it runs later than that, you then can you cancel. Can. Um and so I have to say, like, keeping everyone in the loop is the best is way to go. And yeah. a lot of times people do keep us on loop, but sometimes we aren't kept in the loop. Yeah. Like, if you're going to be shipping closer to, you know, February 15th or whatever, just be like, just so you guys know, we're working on getting everything together. It's going to ship toward the end of our window, not the front of our window. And that's fine. I mean, there's nothing we can say. We'll be like, I mean, okay. I don't mind if things are late. Actually, things being late doesn't bother me at all, as long as they're collectively late for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, as long as you're not the only one who doesn't get whatever, like, the it code is or whatever the piece is. Yeah. I also don't care about ship dates at all if I know that very few other people have the brand. Yeah. Like, because then there's no... There's now, I think, with the internet, there's all this competition mm-hmm. of, like, who's, who's going to get it first, first and... Yeah. A lot of people have overlap customers at this point mm-hmm. online, so I think people just go to where they see it first. So yeah. 
again, this is why shipping to everyone at the same time is more important now than it used to be. It's all very complicated. I would say... Hashtag, it's all so complicated. Keep an open line of community. And if you're having struggles or troubles or your factory's not being so great, just let people know. Yeah, I remember a couple times I had to be the like... I had to tell people that... I'm really sorry. My life's really crazy right now. I'm so sorry. I can't take your order right now. Yeah. If anything changes, I will get back to you in the future. And my deepest apologies. And they were very understanding. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like the worst thing to do is, as we said earlier, is start ghosting people. And so if they're like, where's my order? And you're like, well, I'd love to give you your order right now, but our factory, I don't know, went on strike for a week or whatever. You just tell them that it's going to be a week late and that it was outside of your control. Control. Yeah. And you are very, very sorry, and you will do your best. And then send them cookies along with your order. Yeah, that's another thing, just to end on a note. Like, always, I don't know, someone just sent us a candle in the mail oh, to, yeah. thank, <laughs> to thank us awesome. and tell us to have a happy holidays. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that really stands out to me, those mm-hmm. extra little touches once you've been yeah. working with someone. Or also, if you can, visiting the store once you're working yeah. with them for a little bit. To me, that makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. It shows that it's like a two-way street. Yeah. I mean, and also, like, you don't necessarily have to send them your product or whatever. Cookies or even a card. I mean, we get cards from some of our, the vendors we carry, and they're up on our wall, Mm -hmm. and they're so cute. We're looking at them right now. And so something as simple as that, I mean, printing postcards is not very expensive, obviously. Well, I don't know if that's obvious, but it's not. And so just, like, printing a little Happy New Year's or thanks for all your support, I think it really means a lot. And especially if it's got a cute little picture that you can put up in your little wall, um, yeah, because we have some from last year. We have some older ones. We just added this little dog. So cute. Um, so just things like that. I also think make you stand out. And I obviously don't think that you need to be spending money on the stores that are paying you money. But again, postcards or just a card. Like a postcard stamp's like 25 cents or something. Yeah. Just do that. So just little little things. Those are things yeah. to do once you're already like working with somebody. Yeah. I mean, obviously they don't. You don't need to do that. To woo people. Yeah. Unless you want to woo people. That's another... Okay, this is the last thing I'll end on. My last note I'll end on is... It's very... To quote us from our show... (laughs) It is so interesting (laughs) to note. I find that our vendors in Europe and Japan are much more likely to send us a paper invite to a show. Mm -hmm. And I didn't start getting those until we were actually traveling to Paris. And I was like, whoa, it's a paper thing in the mail. And yeah. none of our U.S. vendors ever mm-hmm. send paper. It's all email. And the emails are very blasé. Yeah. So, and these invitations are so beautiful. And they're made mm-hmm. out of handmade paper. And they're all different. So yours I'll, don't have to be. Yours don't have to be. But I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. that, like, it stands out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's another way is it helps cut through all the email junk we get. is Because yeah. if it comes to our mailbox, which also gets full of junk, but... If it's pretty and looks special and it's addressed to a name, not just the store, um, also known as, like, Dear Julia, please come see me Dear at DNA or whatever, um, that stands out um, because it's not, it's physical. It's physical. And also then maybe you have their booth number or whatever, and so then you can, it's easy just to throw a card in your bag and be like, okay, I'm going to go find this person because a lot of our... Um, European and Japanese vendors also send little maps. Yeah, they be like, this is a little street map, and this is where we are, like, on this corner. On this corner. Yeah. It's cute. 
It's so, very yeah, sweet. That's the last thing. So those are just some of the things <laughs> we those are just a few of the things that we would recommend for if you're thinking about approaching stores in the future and also just some things that we've felt as stores or selling our things. Yeah. So many Feelings. So many sides of the fence we've been on. Yeah. Um, we hope it helped. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll know even more in the future. And if you have opinions, please let us know. You can email us at info at ren.us, which is I-N-F-O at R-E-N-N-E-S dot U-S. And don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram. Yeah. And all that good stuff. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye, guys. <laughs>